Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Beth. Hey, Jenna. How are you? So good. Great. Happy to be here with Father Paul Sullivan. Hi, Welcome, Father. Father. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I think this might be the only one that makes it onto YouTube. <laughs> so we got to keep that energy up. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't drink coffee. No pressure, Father. Maybe Whoa. I should have. Maybe I should have. No coffee? Don't worry. I know other priests don't who worry. don't drink coffee. Is there like a reasoning behind that besides just you don't like it? I actually served it when I was living when okay. I grew up in New York and yeah. people loved it, but I never liked the taste. <laughs> you were a barista. I guess you could say that. Before baristas were like, had a name. I right. Think. Yeah. You were just, just the coffee a guy. Coffee shop. It was a Jewish bakery in Delhi. Learned a lot about cooking wow. and coffee. And it was a great place to learn life lessons. When people say, how do you know all the stuff to deal with with the prisoners and stuff? I say, I worked at a Jewish deli in New York. Because <laughs> you could deal with all kinds of personalities. Right. I had a great boss who just gave us this responsibility. And we had to work hard and it was just so good. It was excellent. How cool. That's yeah. really cool. Wouldn't change it for the world. Oh my gosh, Father, can we have you introduce yourself? <laughs> Give us I the timeline. I didn't know Jewish what a barista deli. was until like <laughs> three days ago. That's so funny. <laughs> I guess I started when I was in a junior year, year of high school. I also worked in college, some landscape construction, which was awesome to learn as well. Wow. Okay. So from the deli. So you, then to you went to seminary. To seminary? <laughs> no, I went to business school in New York. Okay. I was a CPA. I did that for a year in New York. I was spending a lot of time commuting. You know, New York was like a car time and subway time and bus time or train or whatever. So wow. I had two brothers out here in Arizona and I said, well, why don't I go out for a year or so? And I've been here ever since. Yeah, we're 19 years. It's so beautiful. did you, you came out in the Jubilee year. 2000. I did. I didn't know it was a Jubilee year. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. I think it's always fascinating to hear vocations that kind of began in the year 2000, in Jubilee years. There may have been seeds thrown during mm. the Jubilee year. They didn't really blossom until the year after. I'm going to take that as proof <laughs> that it started in the okay. Jubilee year. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to keep my theory. Okay. Okay. okay, so the next year, what happened? Having been like a New Yorker, and then 9-11 happened. So that really forced some questions. How could 11 God allow this? And, you know, when I was in New York, people were either Catholic or they were Jewish. Jesus made sense to me, but coming out to Arizona, there's all these different churches. But the blessed thing was I made some Catholic friends. And to try to live the faith without faithful friends is very hard. At the same time, my desire for work was like, okay, I'll, I'll do this if I'm called to have a family. This makes great sense. But I'm not called to have a family. You know, what I'm doing does not attach to something eternal. Looking at that, you know, like, uh, marriage and family and priestly life and weighing that and, and the desires over time just weighed more toward mm. priestly life. And by that time, the, the scandals were happening in 2002. Mm. And so that also forced the question, which is good, you know, that, that you, you kind of say, well, maybe there's something to this priesthood. And maybe there's even something to the attack on it. And what would it take to be a faithful priest as Jesus has asked us? And, and those things just pulled me in and here I am. Father, that is incredible that you were able to see the scandals in that way. I think so often for me as a lay person, I see any sort of scandal and I think this has to be pushing everyone away, mm-hmm. you know? 
especially those who maybe were looking at this as a vocation. I could see one side saying, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a holy priest, but the other side may be thinking, this is kind of scary. Like, what am I stepping into? It might mm-hmm. turn them away. So it's really beautiful. Yeah. At first it was scary. It was like, I'm just a regular guy. How could I, you know, I could fall into sin like anyone else, just like right. St. Francis would say, right? Attending to the Lord, like noticing where the Lord was moving me, that was clearly the place to go, wow. even if it was difficult and people around might not understand. But it was beautiful. Father, I'd love to hear more about that discernment. You said there were like things happening in your life and in your prayer that were kind of pointing to priesthood. And that's a question we get a lot. We're often asked about discernment, but even maybe more broadly, how do I know God is speaking to me? How can I hear God's voice in prayer? I think it's important to say, you know, I didn't hear the callings of the priesthood until I was 25, but the calling was always there. And I didn't hear it because I wasn't praying. It's kind of like Wi-Fi, right? Mm-hmm. You're like down the street, you know, my other way. How come I can't connect to the network? Well, because you're so far away. Wow. You need to come close into the home. The Lord says, go inside and close your door, right? You know, be with the Father. So prayer changes the mind from an unknowing or like distant from the Wi-Fi kind of cluelessness to like, hmm, I can start to notice. And so ultimately when I discern with someone who's considering their vocation, the question is, where's the peace? Where are you more you? And then what brings that? So do you notice something? When someone comes and says, Father, I, I missed Bass for like three weeks. Okay, well, what'd you notice? I just felt like something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Oh, when you came back to church and you confessed and you received communion, tell me what, what was different. I just, man, I just felt complete. I just full again and at peace. And you know, discernment is less this kind of mind idea, analyzing something, as opposed to just a, entering into the Lord and noticing what gives me peace, what makes me more me. Because ultimately God makes us us. And he loves us as us. You know, so when we're close to him, we're just going to thrive. Beth, do you buy that? <laughs> you okay that this? Wi-Fi analogy is amazing. It really is. Yeah. I like the language, too, of just noticing. Yeah. Like noticing what's going on and how you feel. So but that I takes the it, pressure off you. It's not like I'm going to figure out what God wants me to do. It'll all come together. I think it's hard to notice if we don't have quiet time, too. We are so busy. It's dumb. <laughs> Like, it's just dumb. I'm with you. It's unsustainable, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's not what we're called to do. It doesn't make us more us. We're not getting closer to the Lord when we're just constantly busy and not even able to notice where the peace is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I live at a seminary, and it's awesome. One of the things we do is after night prayer, it's pretty much quiet time. And the first thing you do in the morning is an hour with Jesus in in quiet. And so much noticing happens Mm -hmm. before you do anything. And then then comes the rest of the day. I was just listening to another podcast yesterday from Ennie Hickman and Paul George, who are good friends of ours. And Ennie was talking about just the importance of rest. He said that he was walking around Vienna. Then he was like, there are these benches in the park and there were people on them. (laughs) And Paul said, not homeless people. And and he said, no, no, not homeless people. (laughs) Just people there looking around. Doing nothing. Talking to each other. Beautiful. It was amazing. I, my mind was blown. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was like, I cannot imagine going to a bench and just sitting there. Just yeah. sitting. Try it. What is silence? It's availability to God. You know yeah. what I'm going to do tomorrow? I do it every month. I just take a day, call it desert day, and I go to a monastery. And I don't have any plans. I don't have a book to read. I'm just going to be with the Lord. And he can do anything he wants. He can bring up all kinds of ideas, memories, whatever he wants. It's just availability to him, and there's a freedom in that. 
I think there's a real lie of productivity that mm-hmm. once we complete a certain number of things or particular things, then we'll have peace. It's a treadmill. You know, we're never going to get off it. There's always more right. to do. So I'm curious, Father. Let's say there's a person who has faith. They're practicing. Mm-hmm. They might even have like a routine of prayer. There's still, I think, at least for me, sometimes a tension. Like, is that really me talking or thinking? How do we know it's God speaking? Especially considering we are, you know, close to the sacraments and spending time in prayer. It's kind of like the next level of what you're saying. But even that question, it's something heavy to it. Mm. It's not peace. It's not assurance. Mm. It's doubt. So who never speaks to us through doubt? The Lord. The Lord. But we still notice. doesn't mean we don't feel that. We definitely feel it. That's real. That's what we take to the Lord. I had a funeral yesterday. A young man who died, four kids. And his older daughter, mm-hmm. who's 23 years old, walked out holding the cremated remains. She just stood there and wept. And I just prayed and interceded for her. And she said, it feels so empty. That emptiness, that sense, is the place for her to be with God. It's where she feels most deeply at this moment, right? Mm-hmm. So when someone feels the doubt, we might think, oh, I've got to figure this out. I've got to get out of this doubt. I've got to find some consolation or whatever. Why not just be there and share those doubts with the Lord? Is this really you, Lord? What a beautiful prayer. Lord, I'm, I'm unsure. Can you come into my doubt, my worry? He led him into that restlessness, and then the Lord solves it. We don't figure it out. We've never said what you're currently doing. Oh, yeah. I have a wonderful parish called Sacred Heart just by the airport down there in Phoenix. So I'm rector of a seminary, small seminary for the diocese here for the younger guys. So it's the... The first stages, which is awesome. And there's three other clergy that work with me in that house. It's awesome. So a great little community. And then I'm director of vocations. I've been doing that for over 11 years, which means I help you know, young men discern the priesthood or otherwise. And it's just a beautiful thing. It's a very hopeful place to be. Maybe you look at the news and you're like, oh, man, the Catholic Church and the priesthood going downhill. you know. But looking at the future, God's taking care of us. This year and last year, we've had more vocations than we've ever had in Phoenix. Wow. No way. You really have like a front row seat of what God's doing in people's lives. You it's get beautiful. to hear all of that. It's beautiful. So you're kind of a discernment pro. Uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> that I, actually I, makes uh, me feel so much better, Father. <laughs> yeah. I mean, discernment requires a lot of humility. Mm. So tempted as human beings just to force it. And I want to do this. And it's always about God. And we're the ones who get in the way. The big temptation for me and maybe for most people is to try to figure it out, mm-hmm. like to force it, to, to force have it. the answer. Is it possible to miss our vocation? Is it possible that we got the following wrong? If we are following the Lord. If we are with the Lord. See, I almost yeah. missed my vocation by being away from him, right? right? By not, yeah. not praying, not being attentive. So absolutely. But if we're with him and we're honest, he will not deceive us. Mm. He just won't. He would never do that. The Lord wants our vocation more than we want it. Because mm. it's beyond us. So, Jenna, you're married. He wanted your vocation more than you did at the time because he already knew your kids. He sees more. It's really consoling when you think of it yeah. that way, you know? Definitely. As opposed to, it's a puzzle. I have to figure it out. I have to put things together. Even there can be, I think, a performance mentality in discernment, like Mm -hmm. to get it right. 
But to think of just being with the Lord and holding his hand and desire coming from his heart to see your vocation fulfilled. I'll also tell the story of Charles de Foucault. He's in heaven. So he gets called to this life, you know, this monastic life, this eremitical life, and he gives himself to it. He writes a rule. He's inspired to it all, and he follows it all. And no one follows him. He died a tragic death. But after he died, 22 religious orders came from that rule that he wrote. What? Yes. So it may seem like this isn't working, God. Our job is to just stay with what comes from God and stay in that longing. How glorious it would be to go to the Lord and say, Lord, it seemed crazy, but I kept trusting it. And the Lord says, yes, and you were the seed that died, and here's the plant. As opposed to him going to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, it didn't work out, so I became a lawyer. The sermon's a little dangerous. You might actually have to mm. die. But isn't that the life of Jesus? Hey, this isn't going to work out. I mean, I'm going to end up getting crucified. And he watched it all. He watched us on the other side, the fruit of his passion. I can say to a couple, like, get them to the point where they feel convicted this is God's will. I had a young man who really did some really good discernment for this marriage. And he said, you know, he just got to this conviction, and it was a grace they received on his wedding day, this deep knowing that this is why God made him. So I told him when he told me, I said, bro, write it down. <laughs> oh, that's good. Write it down. Bro. <laughs> make, make, photo, make photocopies, <laughs> yeah. put it in the drawer, put it in your back pocket, put it in your wallet. Like, sure enough, years later, he said, you know, Father, we're going through a real tough patch. And the Lord who, who gave you the inspiration, remember that? He knew this tough patch. He knew it, and he will get you through it. You could listen to the despair now, or you can listen to the inspiration, that mountaintop back then. Trust it. And then I spoke with a man recently, and they're better. That valley was about a better mountaintop later on. How beautiful. Just a trust. All right, Lord, you did call me to this. Is it possible to get it wrong? I'll share with you what St. Ignatius says, because he's a lot smarter than me. Say I poorly discern the priesthood, but yeah. I do get ordained, and, and Holy Mother Church does bestow that grace on me. Yes. It is God's will for me to live that. And he okay. will bestow... Mm. All the necessary graces. So if my mother and father, if after a certain time they said, you know, I'm just, it's not working out. I think we discerned wrong. They still made the vows and they still chose it and they understood marriage. So it's still all valid and all that assumed. God will give the grace and that will be the path of holiness. I wonder maybe for women who've come to deep faith a little bit later, and maybe they're looking at their marriage now and saying, gosh, I would have made a different choice. What would you say to them? Uh, Elizabeth Lesseur, St. Monica. Saint Rita Kasha. The question is, all right, Lord, how do you want me to be holy now? Again, human logic says, I'm not getting the love I need. There's this temptation to just walk away because I'm not being fulfilled. But the question is, Jesus, where are you in this? Might you want to fulfill me for the sake of our children and their souls and my husband's soul? Go to the moment where we go to heaven. The Lord says, hey, that time it was really hard. And you could say, what I wasn't getting from my husband, I turned to you. And you had to fill me. And then I could minister to him as Mother Teresa ministered to the poorest of the poor. She said, I want to serve those who, who can't love me back. But Christ wants to come there. And then as that becomes a place of being full, then one can actually offer that respect. St. Paul says that the wife is to give the husband so that the husband can grow to the point where he can give the love that St. Paul says the husband is to give the wife. But she can only do it if she's continually receiving so the scripture says that the husband will be saved by the prayer of the wife, the faithfulness of the wife. That was so beautiful. Yeah. I think that's going to be so incredible 
for women to hear? I think I intended to come into this conversation with a more of a macro view of discernment. And I'm happy that it went in the direction of vocation. That must be what I <laughs> or someone else needed to hear, you know? Do you apply the same rules to discerning, I don't know, day-to-day conversations yes. and issues? Okay. You have to discern a lot of things. That's why the examine prayer, the Ignatius would have you pray, like, just notice. What are the ups? What are the downs? How does it come? And then I have to discern what gives me peace. The hard thing is, when I think about discernment, I think about doing. Discernment is about figuring out what to do. <laughs> right. And even all of our yeah. questions kind of like slant that way. Of, okay, we pray. That's great. We communicate it to the Lord. Mm. There's peace. But we We're still connected to know, Wi-Fi. Yes. We still want to know what to do. When you pray, where, what's the peace like? What's the inspirations? Anybody who's sinned knows how to discern. And that's all of us, by the way. What is it before? What am I longing for? What is it promising? What happens when I do it? And then afterwards, what's the shame? You just notice that. That's discernment. That's cool. I said <laughs> such and such to my husband. I needed to say that because I was frustrated. I needed to get it out. But afterwards, here I go beat myself up. All right, Lord, oh, wait, you're here. How do I bring this to you first? Mm-hmm. Bounce it off you, relate it to you, and then you can move me toward what's right. I think that's what's so cool about St. Ignatius's conversion. It's a very practical example of discernment when he talks about being bedridden after his injury in war. And when he reads about the lives of the saints, he feels enlivened. He and feels... He notices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. He, so he, I didn't know that. Yeah. He wasn't faithful at the time. So wow. he's laying in bed and he's reading about the lives of the saints and he's thinking, I want to live a heroic life. He feels all this energy and joy and lightness. And then he goes and reads stories of soldiers or thinks about like winning women's hearts and, you know, more worldly successes to use, you know, a very spiritual word. The fruit of that is more heaviness, but he's just noticing these movements in his own heart. And I think that's such a practical picture of discernment. And it's for everyone. There's nobody who can't relate to that. They just notice what's going on inside of them. Father, thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here. This is excellent. Thank you. You probably shouldn't have been so good because now we'll have to have you back another time. You're yeah. doing such good work in the diocese. Thank you. Thank you for your it's priesthood. Great, and great, great place to be. Yeah. Love it here. Yeah. Father, would you mind closing us in prayer? No problem. Let's do it. Thanks. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to enter deeply into each of our hearts. Be close to us. Allow us to discern the peace and the consolation that comes from you by way of your Holy Spirit. Draw us into the heart of your Son, Jesus. Keep us there. Help us to remain faithful to you and attentive to your promptings in our lives. For you love us. You are a loving Father. As well, protect us from all distraction and anything that's not of you. Pressures of this world. Help us take those to you when they come. But always stay united. Mary, with all the saints and angels, please intercede for us. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. You're welcome. See you later. See ya. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedisshe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.